Well, greetings, New Hope Church. It is so great to be with all of you who are gathered right here on our main campus. And for those of you who are joining us uh, online and part of our online community, welcome. Uh, my name is Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here. And can we just give a shout out to our student ministry for a great weekend? <laughs> Praise God. Wow. So much fun. I've heard so much about it. And I'm really, really excited about the experience that they got to have in moving closer to Jesus and uh, inviting those to come alongside and, and join them in that effort. And for our leaders who are part of that, we just praise God for what God is doing amongst our students uh, and in our children's ministry as well. We're so thankful. Say, uh, in just a moment, we're going to jump right into our study through the book of Malachi. But before we do that, I wanted to acknowledge, of course, we've got the election coming up, not this week, but the next week. And so I just want to encourage you to uh, be diligent about voting, uh, have the mind of Christ as you step toward that uh, ballot box, as you think about uh, all the issues that are at play. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, I want to direct your attention. If you go to our church's website and you just scroll down on the front page there, and, and I think if you look over a little bit to the left, uh, you'll see a statement about elections that our elders put together uh, here a couple years ago. It's really helpful, and I want to encourage you to take a little bit of time and just read through that, give some, some wisdom on the kind of posture and mindset that we ought to have as citizens, not only of this great land, but most chiefly of our heavenly kingdom, right? And uh, so uh, let me encourage you to be very mindful about these things and prayerful. In fact, what I'd like to do is pray right now, and uh, then we're going to dive right in. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege we have of being uh, people of the book, people who are redeemed by the blood of Christ, people who can live purposefully on mission for your great glory and for human good. May we have that footing, every one of us, O oh God, uh, and may that be applied in every endeavor of our lives. Uh, as we deal with friends and family and come alongside our neighbors and coworkers and classmates and so forth, uh, as we contemplate how uh, to uh, create the space to vote and, and to do so diligently, as we think about uh, your purposes, your values, your wisdom, we plead with you that you would help us to reflect those things again in every endeavor of our lives. Oh, God of heaven, we pray for our land and we pray for your justice and righteousness to prevail and for your timeless wisdom to dominate all that is around us. And we would ask, God of heaven, that you would help us to walk as Christ with humility and power, with a keen deference to you, oh, our heavenly Father, filled with your spirit, loving you and loving our neighbor well. May that begin right here today with all of us in this space now. As we turn to the book of Malachi, teach us, O oh God, we are like children nestled at your feet. And we pray you would shape us according to your joy and good purposes. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said together, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So there is a story. There's a story of two wayward priests priests who had been called by God to fill a holy position and yet who did their own thing. You see, these were priests that showed nothing but scorn for God and for God's people. In fact, 
In fact, when the people would bring their sacrifices to the tabernacle to offer their thanksgiving or their confessions unto God, these two priests were known for going and taking the meat for themselves by force. The women that worked there around the altar and helped with the facilitation of all the worship, these priests were known for brutally and regularly abusing them. These priests gloried in their own power. They were driven by their own sense of entitlement and and they showed nothing but contempt for God and for the things that God treasures. And so it is that God in his providence determined to punish them, ordaining that these two priests, according to the history of 2 Samuel in our Bibles, that these two priests would die on the field of battle, and die they did. For sure they did. And what a sad day it was for all. In some ways, and yet in other ways, it gave way to some good things. For, for another discussion would be, at a different time, but a simple glimpse now, is that their demise gave way to the rise of one of the first great prophetic voices, the prophet Samuel, who gave shape to the young man named David who would become king of Israel, who himself was the forerunner to our great and glorious Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so from tragedy, God can bring great triumph, amen. He does that. He's that kind of God. Centuries would pass. Centuries would pass, and now we're in a new era, and instead of the people living within the context of judges and prophets and kings, now God's people live under the civil and military rule of this great empire called Persia, one of the great global powers of a bygone era. Instead of the people of God bringing their sacrifices to a centuries-old worn-out tabernacle, now they bring their sacrifices to a newly rebuilt temple in the city of Jerusalem. And yet, despite these new and, and eventful matters, among the priests, not much had changed. Waywardness, selfishness, continued to rule the day. And so it is that God, in his sovereign plan, raised up a man named Malachi through whom God would speak a word to those priests, but also the people of God, then and now. That would be them and us. And so, indeed... We have spent these recent weeks in the book of Malachi. We're continuing to step forward through it. Today we go more deeply still. And the burden that God wants to share with all of us today relates to our role and what it might be as his people. We'll see that shortly. 
But some of the things that might hinder us stepping fully into that role, such as resentment and contempt. And God wants to root out, call out, the common dynamics of resentment and contempt that can hinder us from bringing our best to him who is worthy. And he is worthy, amen? God is worthy. God is worthy. So I want to invite you to really listen carefully these next few moments. And let's join together as we take hold of God's wisdom. First, let's talk about the resentment. Uh, To do so, I would ask you to draw your eyes toward uh, Malachi chapter 1. Malachi is right in the middle of our Bibles. Um, It's, well, not quite. Let me see. It's kind of two-thirds of the way into our Bibles. It's the last book of the Old Testament, at least in the English-speaking world. And uh, I want you to uh, notice with me Malachi chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. Listen carefully as I read. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. This is God speaking, by the way. Uh, By the way, let me pause a minute. All right, so uh, the word prophet, this is the prophet Malachi. The word prophet in the Hebrew language is the uh, word uh, nabi, and it literally means a mouthpiece a mouthpiece of God. Uh, it, 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 that's the idea, but specifically, if we go further than that, it relates to the reed on a wooden instrument, like on, say, a clarinet you, or a saxophone. You have this reed, and it is the reed through which the sound moves, and that is projected out of the instrument. So all a prophet is is an instrument of God for God's sound to move through and outward. That, that's, the prophet is the voice of God, and here Malachi Uh, is really nothing other than the voice of God. This is God speaking through Malachi. Malachi is the mouthpiece. So here we are, verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear or awe, we would say? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? You present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? says the Lord of hosts? It's a good question. It's a good question. Resentment is here. It might not be evident on the surface. Resentment is that displeasure or indignation at someone or something regarding some real or perceived injury or insult. And these priests are resentful because God is making a high demand of them. And they frankly don't want to pay the cost of such a high demand. God is a holy God. Did you hear that? God is a holy God. He is a worthy God, worthy of our very best. But what these priests, they are priests for heaven's sakes. But what they have done is bring him less than the best. They have circumvented what is worthy, kept it for themselves, not given it to him they have held back and you know what he's calling them out on it here 
and, and evidently throughout the ages, certainly in that era, and they resent it. They, they do not like the fact that he's calling them out about this. And what we see here is they're annoyed that they have to bring him their best. They are annoyed that he would hold them to such a high standard. And so here's this question that they ask. We see it there so clearly. Uh, they, they say, how, how have we despised your name? In their minds, hey, we did what we wanted to do, and it ought to be good enough for you. Do you ever say that to God? Do you ever think that? I do. I'm like, God, don't you see what I do for you? Isn't that enough? And yeah, I get resentful at times because of the time, the cost, the headache, the challenge, the, the frustrations of having to uh, pursue a holy and honorable life when it would just be easier sometimes to give in to the whims of the world. And these priests, they're... they're they're thinking similarly, and God's calling them out on it. And they're like, how have we dishonored you? And he goes on and presses them about it. Well, let's talk about the animals you bring. Even though I, according to the Old Testament law, the Torah, have told you they need to be unblemished. They need to be well. They need to be, and you're bringing these things to my altar? How dare you? How dare you? Uh, Tom Constable, Tom Constable is a scholar. He says these priests, these priests resent the fact, you can see it up here, they resented the suggestion that they had despised the Lord's name. And at the end of the day, that's exactly what they're doing. They're not just despising uh, the practice, they're despising the name, Yahweh, the holy God of the universe. They're basically saying, you're not good enough for our best. We get to keep what we want. It's about me, not you. And as God says, are you going to present some, some cheap gift to the governor, the Persian governor? See how that goes. Shouldn't a son honor his father? Shouldn't a, a, a servant revere the master? Indeed, notice verse 11 of Malachi chapter 1. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place incense will be offered to my name in a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. He's a great God. And we would despise him and shortchange him, and bring to him that which is subpar, bring to him that which is the leftovers, the crumbs, that which is broken rather than unblemished, that which is sickly rather than whole. My goodness. My goodness. And then when he says something about it, what? We resent it. The displeasure and the indignation toward him because of the way he injures us with his expectations. Hmm. Well, there's also the contempt that they have. And we see this here as well, if you'll notice uh, in verse 13. It's fascinating. Chapter 1, verse 13. 
God says to them, you say, oh, what a weariness this is. Any of you ever say that about the things of faith? You have to live in the in-between moments from when uh, you call out the prayer to God and you see him respond and you've, got to, you've just got to live in that space patiently and it's so hard and you just want to say something to this effect here, uh, something like what is uh, penned here, uh, that, that what weariness this is. I have to wait? I shouldn't have to wait? You mean I have to... I have to uh, imagine that all that I am is his. Can't I have, it's weary for me to think that way. And indeed, notice this. This is a fascinating little little, uh, expression here. What a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. And literally, the language there, in the ancient language, it is you huff and you puff with a seething energy. Any of you just huff and puff at God? God, I can't believe. And we're too sophisticated to really do this, honestly. And especially up here in the upper Midwest, we have mastered the art of just covering and managing our emotions, haven't we? But deep down, friends, we are standing up, even if we're seated we are huffing and puffing and snorting and seething when we don't get our way like some little toddler. God's calling it out. God's calling it out. But then we see in verse uh, 1 and following of chapter 2, the results of this. All right? Now, I want you to notice with me, uh, God says, and now, O priest, this command is for you. They better take note. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you. Notice, Notice that phrase, the curse, not a curse. I'll explain that in a second. The curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread. Now, okay, let's just take a deep breath here as I read this next line. All right, ready? Take a deep breath. Okay, the next line. I will spread dung on your offsprings and you shall be taken away with it. I will spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offsprings, and you shall be taken away with it. That's brutal. And what what is referenced here is he's saying, look, you're so proud of your worthless offerings that you bring to me once they're on that fire pit, once they're all cut up, once the remains are falling off of the altar, I'm going to gather it all up and throw it at you and see if you like to wear it. If you like it that much, try it on for size. Now that is direct. And by the way, let's just be real here. We're not just simply talking about the remains. We're talking about the innards. We're talking everything. This is gross. And that's the idea here. This is gross. Now the curse, way back in the book of Deuteronomy, way back in the ancient days of Israel, God had told his people, I am holy. Here's who I am. Here's how you respond to one like me. And he told them, he says, if you do well and you honor me, I will bless you. And if you decide to raise your fists to me, then there will be a curse upon you. And I will scatter you and I will will mock you amongst the nations. 
And don't miss the irony that this is unfolding here, this conversation, as the people have just been scattered across the nations, Persia, that now, yes, they're coming back, but they are under the thumb of a global superpower, and it is not Israel. God's curses have been unfolding because of their attitude. And it doesn't have to be this way. That's the thing, friends. Notice with me in verse 5 of Malachi chapter 2. My covenant with him, that is to say, and and we see it in verse 4, but I want to start in verse 5. There's a reference here to the priest that descended from the patriarch named Levi thousands of years earlier. And what we see here is this. God says, my covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. That is to say awe, being awestruck. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth. No wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of the priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. By the way, don't miss this. Uh, the word, the phrase messenger of the Lord of hosts is actually in the Hebrew Malachi. So it's kind of a play on words on the name of the prophet who is uh, being used to present all this. Now, basically what God is saying is, I gave a standard, I gave a vision, I offered you a picture, and the people rose to it. What happened to you? And indeed, what we see here is, at the end of the day, the priests of Malachi's era, much like Hophni and Phinehas in the days gone by there in 2 Samuel, well, they wanted to pick and choose God's values and truth according to whatever benefited their own self-promotion. Can I say that again? Listen very carefully. They wanted to pick and choose God's values and truth according to whatever benefited their own self-promotion. They gloried in their power They were driven by entitlement, and they showed contempt for God and the things that God treasures. Oh, but dear ones, this should not be. Oh, but God. Malachi chapter 1, verse 14, and chapter 2, verse 9. I've put these together here. I want you to listen to them. God says, cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations, verse 9 of chapter 2. And so I make you, therefore, priests, despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction." And this ought to grieve us, friends, that this was the rhythm of things in those ancient days, and it ought to grieve us if it's the rhythm of things in our day. 
we really ought to pause and just lament here. We should. It's sad. But listen to me. I want every person listening to my voice to lean in here. If you're, if you're in your living room, if you're at your kitchen table, if you're still finding that last weekend up at the lake house right now, or you're right here, on, I want you to listen to this. Please hear me. We need to be very, very careful very thoughtful here. You know why? Here's why. As Christians, guess what? You and I are priests. Did you know that? Not priests of the covenant of old, but priests of this new era, this new covenant under Christ's reign. We are priests. You wonder if that's so Oh, brothers and sisters, listen to these words from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5, and here we have that glorious picture when so many are gathered around that lamb that was slain, the Lord Jesus. Chapter 5, book of Revelation, verse 6, tells us, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, and there are these uh, creatures and people and nations gathered around and verse 9 says they saying worthy are you worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals this is to Jesus for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and notice this and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth that's us we are a kingdom of priests. The Apostle Peter tells us as much. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, here's what we read. The Apostle Peter says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, and now you are God's people. Once you had received no mercy, and now you have received mercy. Amen. Amen. And then the prophets talk of this. And so in the days of old, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 61, which is beautiful, precious word from the Lord God, Isaiah chapter 61, here's what it says, verse 6, you shall be called the priests of the Lord. You shall speak as the ministers of our God. Isn't that great? Friends, you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are priests. Don't think of the priest with the collar and the church on the corner. No. That's a position, a title somebody has in a vocational way for sure. Okay, great. But the body of Christ, the people of God, washed in the blood, are a kingdom of priests, a royal nation. And so therefore... When God Almighty, through his prophet Malachi, says to these priests of old, whoa, resentment, contempt toward me? All about glorifying your own power and living a life of entitlement and showing contempt for the things I value? That's not the way priests behave. Friends, we are a kingdom of priests. Indeed, what is a priest? Well, if we go back 
and just sit in Malachi chapter 2, verses 5 and 7. Here are some of the things we conclude. Priests are those people who embody or bring to bear the life and peace of God Almighty. They are a people who are filled with a holy reverence for God and his creation. They are people of the book, people of the word of God. They know the word of God. They are a people who walk in justice and who decry evil and sin. They are a people who bring God his very best and they bless all who are around them because those are image bearers we are called to love. They are a people who declare God's glory to the nations. And this is, this is the role of a priest in the new era of Jesus' reign. I've got some questions for you. And you need to have an answer. I have some questions for you and you need to have an answer. Question number one, you'll see these on your screen here. Question number one, do you offer God shoddy things, giving him mere leftovers and crumbs? I want you to just think about that. When I'm called to bring God my best, what do I bring him? The leftovers? Do I hold back? Am I afraid that I'll lose? And so I keep tightly those things that I'm afraid to release? Look at the question again. Put it up on the screen again. There we go. Do you offer shoddy things to God, giving him leftovers and mere crumbs? Second question. Second question, and these are just as I reflect on the text here. Do you resent the need to give God your best? Do you resent the need to give God your best deep down, angry, and bitter about it? I can't help but think, I can't help but be reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in the majestic book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and following, I appeal to you therefore by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect, and yet do you resent all that? Wrestle with that. Another question is, do you snort contemptuously with a hardened heart toward God and what he purposes and values? These are his ethics. This is his love for people. This is his imagination for how we think about every endeavor in life. And do you snort at that as if to say, oh, no way. 
not me. Wrestle with it, dear ones, sisters and brothers. Wrestle with it. God says in Malachi chapter 1, and we read it a moment ago, Malachi chapter 1, verse 14, I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. He is the triumphant king, and he is also the greatest high priest. This, this Jesus, our Lord Jesus, the embodiment of the triune God who now reigns, and it's under his rule that we are a kingdom of priests. This Jesus who lived a sinless life died brutally on a Roman cross was raised to life after three days and now he ascended into the heavens so he might sit in session at his father's right hand advocating, interceding for all of us who follow after him. That is you and that is you and that is you and that is me. And one day he's going to return in glory And I can't wait for that day. How about you? And because of all this, sin, death, and the devil no longer have the final word. Praise God for that. It's not the end of the story. But until he returns, guess what? We are his kingdom of priests, bearing his life and peace to a broken world. Representing this Jesus who, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us tell the story. Let us do it faithfully. Let us do it boldly. I would invite you to stand right now. And hear these words. You see, this Jesus, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe, every nation and tongue. We are a kingdom of priests to reign with God's Son. Our response to this, Jesus, hold fast to your confession. Our response to this, Jesus, 1 Peter chapter 9, I read it a moment ago. We are a royal priesthood. We are to proclaim the excellencies of this Jesus. Friends, sisters, brothers, we are to give him our best because he is worthy. Amen? He is worthy. Let's give it up to him. He is worthy.